The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to follow up a little bit on the love that uh, Peter, uh, that uh, Grant's been talking about. And uh, Father... Uh, the hardest command in the Bible is what Jesus told us to love the brothers like I've loved you. And uh, it's kind of easy to love folks outside the church I don't know very well because I can have limited amount of contact with them and then may not see them again or if I do it's rarely. But your family and your brothers and sisters inside the church, you know all too well. They know you all too well. And in spite of that, Jesus said, you love the brothers as I have loved you. And the Bible then teaches us that God is love. The very definition of love is to love somebody just like God wants them loved. So we ask you to give us wisdom today as we look afresh at a couple of things. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. In other words, no matter how good a sermon or witness or Sunday school lesson or character message I give out. It's not accompanied by love, it's just noise and show. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. It's interesting that Paul still speaks with who he is and where he's been. He's been to the third heaven. Uh, he's gotten personal messages from God. He said, this is not, I didn't receive this. I received this from the Lord. It's not something that I'm just telling you from a, from a good opinion. But he said, I've received this from the Lord. And then he said, but there's still mysteries there's still knowledge that to be understood. And if I had all of that knowledge and I could understand all the mysteries and I had enough faith to move a mountain, love's still more important than that could be. And I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and I gave my body to be burned and I have not love. There's no profit in it at all. Prophet of ministry is in love. We talked in our Sunday school class today about the joy of, of Jesus said, if you love, I give you a commandment to love one another. And if you do that like I've loved you, then your joy will be full. Now, the, the, the payoff, the emotional, uh, spiritual, mental uh, payoff for doing the right things is the joy and the fullness God gives you 
if you have loved like he teaches you to love. That's the payoff. And if, you, if you're not doing it in love and you're going through Christian motions without love, then it's just a, a task. It's just hard work. You get tired after a while. You want to throw your hands up. You want to quit because you want to know where the payoff is. Payoff is when you love. And so he says there's the value. The value is in love. And then these next verses, love suffers long, is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, it seeks not its own, it does not provoke, it thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, and that's where Grant is now, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, means it never runs out. Uh, God is, how, do, how come it never runs out? God is love. So when God quits, love will quit. When y'all counting on God quitting? No, it ain't happening. So there, there's no, you, you always have a continual supply, an inexhaustible supply of love if you do like John 15 says, abide in him like a, a, a branch in a, in a tree. Now, having said that, I've come to these little up phrases, okay? And it's uh, shut up, stand up, gut up, and, lock, and look up. And the first time I did this, some little girl comes up to me and she looks me in the eye and she said, you said a dirty word this morning. And she really had me scared. <laughs> and then she told me, I said, shut up. I said, <laughs> She really had me bothered. Shut up's not a dirty word except accompanied by an attitude. A superior attitude. I'm, I'm better than you are, so I know more. You shut up and I'm going to tell you what's the truth. That's the dirty word, okay? But it's okay if you apply it to yourself. Shut up. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it means stop being negative. I don't know why it is so much easier to be negative than positive. It's so much easier it, that, to complain than compliment. For instance, if I smash my thumb, I never have to think of what I'm going to say. It's just kind of there. But if I want to tell you that you've done a good job, I have to really work at coming up with the right phrases and words that adequately says what I mean. When I smash my thumb, I mean what I said. Right? But I have a difficult time being complimentary. All of us do. And it's so easy. Your kid bring your report card. And you say, uh, there's, you know, four B's, an A, and a an D. Which one are we discussing first? You never said, boy, it's a wonderful A. And I'm so proud of those B's. I just don't mention the other one. Let it lay there. He knows it's there. She knows it's there. Right? And if you got a whole page full of D's, it's a different conversation. But 
Uh, you know, but the, 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 the deal is we're always pointing out something that's not right. I remember one time uh, somebody was showing them a, uh, somebody a room they'd redecorated. And they had painted that room. They had, they had done all kind of artwork in the room. And the comment was, curtains need hemming. <laughs> curtains need hemming. You know how to, and, and you could just see, huh? That's all I get out of all that hard work that I've done. I got, and we're bad about doing that. We're just negative. And it's easy to be negative. It's easy to be negative to our mates. It's easy to be negative to our children. Uh, if you if you notice, if it was possible to tie a microphone around your neck and leave it there for a day, and then at the end of the day, re- listen to what was recorded, and just write down every time it was negative. And every time it was positive, man, we would come up grossly short on what's possible. So if you're going to love somebody, sometimes the best way you can love them is shut up. Not everything has to be addressed. And, And don't be belittling and don't be embarrassing Linda and I were out to dinner with a couple one night, and uh, I, I don't understand a toenails and fingernails. I hadn't figured it out yet. Okay, for me, I'm just glad if I got a fingernail, because generally I keep them banged off. But for women now, I mean, there's something... I think literally they could wear sacks if they had the hair done and the fingernails done and their toes done. I mean, nothing else seems to be the real issue. But anyway, this guy was sitting beside his wife and he said to my wife, you have beautiful fingernails. And you could see his wife go. <laughs> literally by being complimentary, to someone else, he was being negative because she didn't care much about her nails and that was her thing. But is no need of bringing up, embarrassing, belittling, and abusing somebody. That's not love. That's just not love. We talked about it in Sunday school class this morning. Loving our brothers in Christ does not mean I ignore all their faults. But I have to earn the right to address those faults by showing them, first of all, how much I love them. If I have not expressed to them over a long period of time how much I love them and demonstrated how much I love them, they're not going to be receptive to any kind of criticism. You earn the right of criticism. You can't command it or just because of position. So even as parents, there's a time and a place and a right time and a place 
to speak correction to our children. And, you, and I, I ain't figured a time to correct Linda. I don't know. Maybe she's sound asleep. That's a great time to, to... But I mean, it's very difficult to criticize or complain about anything without it feeling personal. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? So I can say, honey, you might have put a little more water in these peas. What, you don't like my cooking anymore? No, I just like little juicier peas. (laughs) So I've learned to shut up and go put a little water in there when she's not looking. She wonders, how those peas manufactured in water? (laughs) But I'm serious about what I'm saying. Negative talk displays sooner what our heart is about love than any other action we take. We can undo every good gift. We can undo everything we have attempted to do. We can undermine the entire uh, marriage-child relationship, relationship with friends, simply by being negative. Because it hurts and it hurts deep. We must be careful. Very careful. Not only do we shut up, but we stand up. What do I mean by stand up? Well, it's pretty simple. Be their number one fan. The person you love, be their number one fan. You understand? Uh, Stick up for them. There there are three types of what I think uh, is standing up for somebody. They're these love yous. You know, you show love more than just saying it. But it is verbal. Guys, I'll have you look up here and ladies be quiet. Stop up your ears. The lady of your life has one question every day. I don't care how many years you've been married. She's got the same question. Every day. And that's this. Do you still love me and am I still number one? That question's continual every day. Don't forget it. So when you're talking about golf, fishing, you're talking about whatever it is, mama's got a question over there why that conversation's going on. Do you love me and am I still number one? And you got to show that every day. Your children have to know that every day. That's why little pet names for kids are great. You know, like little princess or my 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 little my little my little prince, my little my little king, whatever you want to call. Uh, I don't know how. Do you know what Thomas's nickname? You know Thomas, my grandson. My grandson. His name's Doodlebug. I'm not real sure that applies anymore. But when he was little, he would just spring around on the floor and we got to calling him Doodlebug. I'm not sure that's, but it was a nickname that's all his. It's all his, all by self. So he's 280 pounds, he's on the football field, and if you hear somebody holler, Doodlebug! That's a love message to Thomas. 
because there's a lot of Thomases in the world. There may be even more on the football field. Ain't no more doodlebugs out there. You understand? Might be a Volkswagen parked in the parking lot, somebody. But Thomas is that. These little pet names, things that you do to verbally say to somebody, I love you. Visual looks. I heard a story one time. A man was talking about his grandmother would just set him on her lap and look at him. And he said, Grandma, what are you looking at? She said, I am beholding you. Have you ever hugged somebody with your eyes? Loved them with your eyes? Just look at them and adore them with your eyes? Just let them know that you're a, you're a blessing to my eyes. I love looking at you. I love being around you. Looking visual, I, I love yous. And then they're the little touch, I love yous. Uh, and this is a tr- this absolutely, you remember CB radios? They had to be from the devil because they like to ruin my marriage. <laughs> you remember when you ride up and down the road and talk to everybody but your wife? Gosh, she was driving me crazy. And because uh, I could talk to strangers, but I couldn't talk to her. Well, after you get married, you can't lie anymore. You know, when you're dating, you can build air castles. You, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We're gonna, I'm going to get you this, I'm going to get you that. And then you get married, and she knows what your finances are and what you're capable of doing and not doing. They don't need discussing that no more, is it? Because she knows that's not going to happen. And uh, so I do find that it's difficult sometimes to carry on a conversation with your mate because if you're not careful, you try to fix a problem rather than just communicate. Two girls, two ladies can get on the phone or on the porch and they can just talk for hours. And they don't fix anything. They don't fuss at each other. Two guys can get in the boat and go fishing, talk all day long about sports, everything, and don't try to fix anything. But as soon as a man and his wife sits down and the conversation starts as a problem and somebody's trying to fix the other one. Figure that out. And somebody gets mad and that's the end of that conversation. You know what stops that? Holding hands. You have to say anything. Just hold hands. Holding hands says, I love you. I'm in contact with you. I care about you. You're important to me. I do love you. And you're number one in my, in my life. Linda and I look a little stupid walking through the parking lot holding hands. Linda's taller than me. I look like a little kid. <laughs> but uh, we, we hold hands everywhere we go. Because it's, we keep each other from falling down. And... <laughs> I held Lauren's hand all the way to the bathroom while ago. I was afraid Lauren's wasn't going to make it. <laughs> but I mean, we, it's, it's how you show affection and caring for each other. Do you, do you hug your children? Do you touch your children, pet them, softly rub their hair? 
Now, be careful with a girl, you get in trouble on that. But I've got, you know, I've got the privilege of having two younger children in my house. And I'm, I'm not sure I did this the first time around like I should have. But I never go to bed without finding them or they find me and we exchange a hug or a kiss. And sometimes I'm too late, they're already asleep. And she doesn't know it, but she got kissed on the head anyway. Because I may know it if there wasn't another opportunity. <laughs> See what I'm saying? I may know it. And so you always want to be able to share and express the love. Stand up, be there, be counted on. Little written notes. Now then we don't do this anymore because neither one of us can stand it. But uh, Linda's favorite candy bar was a Snickers. And uh, she would stay home with the children. Linda was a stay-at-home mom. She'd stay home with the children. And what was her lunch? Soup, peanut butter and jelly or whatever she could find in the refrigerator. So she'd always ask me, what'd you have for lunch? Old Charlie's? You know, steak and shake? Uh, and to her, that sounded like a banquet. You understand? It sounded like a banquet because she had stayed at home with the children and eat, eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So if I would remember to buy a Snickers bar at the convenience store, sometimes you used to have them at restaurants right there at the, at the counter, and you could buy a Snickers. If I brought that home to her, that said to her, I was thinking about you while I was at lunch. Yes, I was eating a better lunch than you were, but I was thinking of you while I was out today. If I don't call her sometime in the middle of the day, you don't love me no more? I'm not number one anymore? I started that dumb habit years ago, that wonderful habit, and uh, you best keep it up because it lets the person know, and she'll call me if I don't, but it lets the person know you care. I'm thinking about you in the middle of the day, not just at bedtime or not just when my stomach's hungry. I'm thinking of you. I still call my adult children every day. Sometime during the day, I call my adult children. Probably I'm an interference to them. Yeah, Dad, we won't. Okay, thanks, bye. You know, but that's okay. They're not going to hurt my feelings by being busy. That means they're feeding my grandkids. I'm very happy about that. They can be as busy as they want to be. Right? What I want to tell them is, no matter how busy they are, I love them. That was the message, right? And if they're busy, so what? I don't care. I don't need them to call me back right now. I just need to be able to tell them when they're in the struggles of their life, and they are. They all have school-age children, 
and they're in the, the very struggle. You remember that? You remember being there with school-age children? And, and not, there's not enough time in the day. There's not enough money. The, 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 everything's just, just upside down all the time. For somebody to call you and just say to you, I love you, it matters. So just say it. Hey, man, just call to say, I love you. Let me have you what your attitude is about the people in your life, your children, your wife, your friends. Is your attitude lucky them or lucky you? Huh? What's your attitude toward those you love? Lucky you? You sure are good, lucky to have me in your life. <laughs> sure glad you found me. <laughs> or is it lucky me? I am so blessed because God gave you me. You know, you, he, gave me to, he gave you to me. I am so blessed. And you show it with lucky. I was telling the Sunday school class this morning, I've got two eyes. I can tell when the garbage can's full. No problem at all. And I'd be darned, I'll wait every time until Linda asks me, go take it out. Now, I'll jump and do it. Oh, yes, ma'am. Sure, sure, great. But I could have done it before then, couldn't I? <laughs> if I were not lazy. So, lucky you, lucky me. And finally, stand up means restoration. Let me ask you a question. Is there any relationship, is there any situation in your relationship that as far as you're concerned is not already pre-forgiven? In the relationship with your children, in the relationship with your wife, in your husband, in the relationship with your friends, is there a relationship that is not already pre-forgiven? Linda and I get in an argument. I know what the end result's going to be. I'm sorry. She says, I'm sorry. And we go on. What's the end relationship when, when my children and I have a disagreement? What's the end result going to be? It's forgiveness. Got it? Go like that. Got it. It's forgiveness. We already know there's forgiveness before the fight starts. If you've got to figure that out every time you get in an argument, you've got to figure out whether this is it or not. I don't know what happened to commitment yet. You understand? The commitment is pre-forgiveness. So the goal is always restoration. Something breaks out, it's restoration. How do we fix this? Not who's to blame. Doesn't matter who's to blame. How do we fix this? How do we make this right? How do we get past it? How do we get over it? How do we move on? I've got a quote here in your little outline. I don't even know who did it. If you can find it, find out, look on the internet, tell me. I'll give them credit for it. He who loves perfection, he who loves perfection, desires a yardstick with which to beat himself and everyone else around him. They ain't no perfect folks. 
you're not and they're not. Nobody's perfect. And if you're using perfection as your measuring stick, all you have in your hand is a stick to beat somebody with because they're not measuring up. And you beat yourself with it and you beat others with it because you refuse forgiveness and restoration. Gut up is be there in the hard times. Be there in the hard times. Most of us can sail through the easy times. How does love play out in the hard times? How does love play out when it's not working out very well? There are 365 days in every year. I got that right, Donna. One of them has 366. But there's 365 in every year. I can promise you that in everybody's year, there are 200 blah days. Those are not good or bad either. That's where you get up, go to work, come home, go to bed. Get up, go to work, come home, go to bed. Get up, go to work, come home. You do that 200 times a year. There's another 65 days that are really miserable days. They just happen. You can't stop it. You're people, and people have miserable days, and other people around you have miserable days. And the more people you can pack into a house, the more miserable days you can count. But nonetheless, you're going to have at least 65 miserable days. But in 365 days, you can't have 100 beautiful, wonderful, loving days. And the secret of those 100 days is not let those 65 grow. Because when the 65 days turn into 66, 67, 80, 90, they never steal from the 200 blah days. As the bad days grow, what do they steal from? The good days. And I know people who have 200 blah days and 165 miserable days every year. And they choose to do it that way. Apparently they like it. And so you restore and you shorten the fight and you gut up and you be there when it gets tight. And the last thing is you look up. God is love. God is love. I don't have love. I don't know about love. I'm selfish. My natural inclination is to be selfish. If there's any love in me, it comes from God. If I need any more love, where is it going to come from? God. If I need more love after that, where is it going to come from? God. Is he ever going to run out? No. So if I need, if I don't have love, it's I'm not looking up. If I'm not loving, the problem is not you. The problem is me not looking up. Love never fails. Means empty. You never run empty on love. You can never ever run empty on love because the source of love is God and God is love. Okay? Father, we've looked a lot 
Grant's taught us so much. He's taught me so much over the months about what love is and about what love is not. But sometimes it just boils down to a time where you got to shut up. It's not, doesn't do any good to run your mouth. It's not the right time, the right place. You got to stand up, be counted on, be the kind of person that's there all the time. You got to gut up during those hard times, and you got to look up all the time so that Jesus can give you what you need to love in the situation you find yourself in. And Lord, I pray that for myself and for every one of these brothers and sisters in Christ, we would be marked and known as people that love. We would be a loving family of Christ in and out of this building. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.